This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Cities are also considered to be the big winners in this budget with $2.2 billion for short-term infrastructure projects, some of which will involve making cities age-friendly. I'd like to welcome Councillor Josh Matlow to the studio. He is the Councillor for St. Paul's. My counselor, in full disclosure, and chair of the city's senior strategy. Thanks for joining us. My delight. Okay. So, first of all, what do you think of this budget? The city's got a, a big hunk of cash. Yeah. No, I, I think I think there is a lot of generosity in this budget for cities in Canada. I think Toronto is going to do well off this budget. Um, I say that with a caveat, though, that... I believe that major cities in Canada and, and urban areas across the, the, the country where over 80% of us live really need, rather than having ad hoc investments every budget, to have a long-term sustainable financial plan where we know that the federal government and the provincial government contributes to our priorities, whether it be uh, you know basic uh, state, of, state of good repair infrastructure needs or... Um, important transit infrastructure projects such as building the relief line and moving forward with our evidence-based projects. Okay. Uh, so we got this uh, big uh, amount of cash. Uh, it says short-term infrastructure projects. Yes. I, w- I was very gratified driving into work that this ginormous pothole that's been there for <laughs> weeks and weeks and that I have to dodge every day, suddenly it was filled. Well, Not I, in four I, days, I, I, mind I, you. I, I don't know. I don't I, I, I think Justin Trudeau is a good prime minister. I don't know if we can credit him for filling that pothole, uh, but but, uh, uh, but I mean, certainly uh, cities need. Christian Davenport, by the way, good yeah, to know. Okay. Good to know. And by the way, I mean Toronto is now now that the thaw's on. Toronto yeah. is going out, and there are blitzes, and there are more and more potholes yeah. being uh, filled. And by the way, if any of your listeners see a pothole that yeah. you want to get you want to get it fixed, call three one one, and they should get out there and fill it. Um, but I mean, I strongly believe, though, that cities, unlike the provincial and federal levels of government, who have many what they call revenue tools, sales taxes, income taxes, ways to fund priorities, the city, although it has a couple of different options, you know, really rely heavily on the property tax base to cover an enormous amount of demands that residents have on cities to be able to provide. And I do believe that cities need to have, you know, whether it be their their own revenue tools or more direct, sustainable, long-term funding mechanisms by the province or the feds, some way to know that we can budget long-term to get things done. And that hasn't happened yet. Okay. Uh, you are chair of Toronto Senior Strategy. Yes. So uh, presumably some of this money will go to that. Where are we at in terms of making Toronto age-friendly? So I, I was elected uh, for the first time in 2010. And the very next year, the first major initiative that I brought forward to council was to create a senior strategy. 
Uh, there are a number of components of this strategy. Um, what we do know is that um, uh, the demographics are changing and aging and that we should do what government typically hasn't been good at, which is to proactively create a plan for what we know is coming rather than reacting after something happens. Um, what we hear from seniors across the city is that health, transportation and housing are their three top priorities. Part of health, obviously, is safety and road safety. And I would like to see us invest more into our city to ensure that we redesign and reconfigure our streets so that we don't just have isolated senior safety zones, as we call them, but that we actually go out and we try to create a safer city. Because if you do that, you create a safer city for young parents who are racing across a, a you know a street uh, with their stroller or or somebody in their 40s in a wheelchair uh, I would say the same when it comes to transportation uh, we need to make sure that when we make decisions about where we uh, have bus routes that we consider how far people with mobility challenges are going to be able to go the same as we time our traffic signals housing is a critical need for so many people in the city but there are many seniors who are struggling to make ends meet. There are over 100,000 people waiting for social housing, for example. There's typically an 8 to 10 year waiting list to even access an affordable unit. So if you're somebody in your 70s or 80s, you may not live long enough to ever be able to access a home that you can afford. There, there are issues that we hear about all the time with respect to ageism. Um, seniors try to get jobs, for example. Yeah, that's huge. I, I just wanted on the Please. housing note, yeah, yeah. because we recently did a, a TV show on this. So there was an innovative program because a lot of seniors have extra room in their house. A lot of yes. young people can't afford to rent. And, and it was putting those people together. I spoke about this at council during our budget meeting right. a week but, ago. Yeah. But I gather that now they're, they, the program will be shut down because it was a pilot project and it's out of cash. So uh, we lost the funding by the province. Uh, however, we now are going to fund it through the city of Toronto. Once again, the city of Toronto is supplementing something that the province is not. But albeit, it has to be funded because what I see this as is an incubator project for Toronto to foster a program that addresses the needs of youth who are looking for a below market rent somewhere that they can afford in the city. Uh, seniors who might be house rich, but are financially poor who need some way to subsidize their, their ability to pay for their home and their lives. And also for both parties, if you're a young person looking for, sort of a, a family member, somebody to, to live with in this city, you might be alone. You're a senior who might need somebody to do some errands and just spend some time together so you're not isolated and lonely. This meets a lot of needs. Uh, it Agreed. meets housing, health, and quality of life. So uh, this is what we call home share, and it's an initiative that we want to incubate. It may not have to be a city program in perpetuity, but I think if we can foster this, it's essentially creating a matchmaking program for young people who need a an affordable place to live and seniors who want both company support, be able to live in their homes for longer, perhaps not have to go to a long-term care facility and be able to afford to live in their own home for the long run. Right. And uh, before we take a break, can't, can't all this just be automated or put online, this matching service? Do we need, how much money does it really need? It, it, it won't need a lot of money. 
the, the, the point is to incubate it. The point is to get it up and running. Um, it's, it'll be the money that will go into it will be enough for a couple of staff to just do the administrative work to get it running. And hopefully, uh, once it's running, it can, it can, it can move forward without as much investment. Okay. We've got to take a break. Let me give the numbers out before we go to break. If you have thoughts as you're aging for making the city more livable, more affordable, uh, when we come back, I want to talk about Vision Zero, which the mayor has said is not working. The numbers 416. 416- Three six zero zero seven forty, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Also, if you have anything else to say about the budget and its impact on you, I'm here with Councillor Josh Matlow, and we will be right back. Fight back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm here with Josh Matlow. Uh, we've been talking about the budget. City's got a nice boost, $2.2 billion for infrastructure. He is the chair of Toronto Senior Strategy. Uh, he was just telling me of, about at least one initiative w- that the province is not paying for anymore. So city has to come up with the cash and there are others. First, I'm going to take a call from Pat. Hi, Pat. Morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Now, hey, Pat. Pat, Pat, you are a former municipal politician. I'm a former municipal, municipal councillor, and I sent you a note a week or so ago about some of the uh, issues that affect uh, politicians. Yeah, uh, I, I, and you've I'm talked... also a supporter of Josh, as he well knows, because I'm trying to get the record for identifying the most potholes in the city. Okay. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> and it Pat, cost I'm... me $1,600 last year. Mind you, the city paid after six months. Uh Pat, I, I believe that you have also uh, pointed out to me that a lot of elected politicians at this level don't really know how to read a balance sheet. Uh, and that's not anybody's fault. But, you know, accounting, and I am an accountant, is very complex. And um, so the result is uh, it's essentially the staff that uh, run the finances side of things. And the one thing, and this has been shown by the province, which is, has been trying to do something, which is the swing item in budgets in, throughout the province has been the capital side of things. And so that's why we should have been building subways a mile a year for the last 30 years, and all of a sudden we're in crisis mode and have to catch up. So. Well, I, I don't know if that's all of a sudden, uh, Josh. What do you have to say to Pat? Well, you know, like like the uh, the, the bureaucrats, the civil servants are supposed to uh, you know be the experts and be able to read the balance sheets and give expert advice to the politicians. One would hope that the politicians would then uh, be be guided by evidence based advice and then follow through on the best plans to serve people. One of the, I think the the, the greatest tragedies about the the story of transit in Toronto in our area has that has been that far too long politically based objectives have trumped um, evidence based objectives, and we start uh, you know promoting transit projects that don't make sense, that aren't a good use of money over fact-based projects that actually would relieve the existing system and provide more service. This is all about electoral politics. That's not going to change anytime soon. And my point is that, you know, the the typical municipal council starts out and says, we want to keep our property tax increase to rate of inflation, essentially. So then you go through and you've got your operating budgets, uh, which is primarily labor, 
And then you come down, okay, what's left over? Well, that's what we will put into the uh, the long-term plans, uh, repair of infrastructure, et cetera. And for many years, that was the item that got cut. So uh, that that's the problem we face. I, I agree with you, Pat. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that I, I, is, I agree with Pat. That's, that is the problem that we face. Uh, and then on the other hand, you know, those cities, in order to say we're, we're holding the line on property taxes, they raise the cost of all kinds of user fees, and it, and it all adds up. I mean, but, and but, there is one taxpayer. Uh, uh, you know, and, and we, we, we get what we pay for, and we also don't get what we don't pay for, and we have to make decisions. And, uh, you know, the way I view it is um, – if we are happy with the status quo, then we don't need to pay anything more and we can just live the way we are uh, and let things degrade. Uh, I would submit, though, that it shouldn't be a question of taxes versus no taxes. It should be, do we want to invest in things that we just clearly need? I mean, we need to repair our infrastructure. We need to improve our transit system. Uh, we need housing that is affordable. We need to do things that will create a... A, 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 a you know a good quality of life in 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 our community and uh, but if we're not willing to pay for it then we're not going to get it. Uh, speaking of housing, I just uh, there measures for first time buyers, especially when there's you know nobody with that amount of money is certainly not going to be able to buy a house in St. Paul's. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not even true. I'm not even sure they could get a a studio condo yeah. in St. Paul's for what is the cutoff four hundred and something thousand dollars. It, um, it's really, it is the numbers that we talk about when it comes to buying a home are numbers that the average person can't even get their head around anymore. And there are so many young people, young families who may want to buy their first home, but they're having a tough time even making the rent, never mind having the privilege to be in debt to the bank for the next 30 or 40 years. So we have an affordability crisis in the city, both for renters and for people but, who want to buy. You know, I keep saying, uh, and, you know, I will grant that as a baby boomer, I, you know, and it wasn't as easy as people think it was. I remember three mortgages and, and things yeah, like that, yeah. but still, uh, we manage better than millennials can now with these house prices. But, you know, uh, it's an expectation thing. I used to live in New York. Nobody there expected to be able to get into the housing market or you have a city like London. Uh, you know, isn't it just a matter that our city has become a, quote, world-class city? It, I mean, certainly there is a market-driven demand and costs go up uh, due to that fact. That being said, though, there are ways to provide affordable places to live, maybe not to be able to purchase, but certainly there are, and this is one example of, I think, uh, where we are doing something right as a city. We have announced that we have 11 city sites that we are prepared to devote to affordable housing. Now, I'm not happy with the process that we're using. I think that we also need to redefine what affordable means, because if you're paying over 50% of your income in rent, uh, even if it's just below market rent, that's still not affordable to you. But we can be creative with the public lands we have to do a better job of providing more affordable housing units. And I think that's something that we have a responsibility to do as a city and as a province and as a federal government. 
Um, anything else? We are starting to run out of time. We've got mm, just under a minute left. What would you like to leave us with, Well, Josh? you know, you and I had a conversation about uh, what I've been proposing at the city, which is a charter for the city of Toronto. And I'll end with this. Um, there's one thing that Doug Ford and I will agree on. He says that Toronto can't get anything done. Well, there's a reason for that. Because legally, we're not allowed to get a lot of things done that most residents expect that that Toronto City Council should be able to do. Um, Unlike cities like Chicago and cities throughout the United States that have like mini constitutions, charters that give them purview, power over, for example, their elections, (laughs) 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 Uh, revenue, land use planning. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the province has the last say over a lot of the development debates oh, yeah. we have, oh, right? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if the expectations that we have of our city council could actually be met with the powers to actually make decisions and get on strong with getting mayor, things done? Strong mayor, strong city. Well, strong city. I mean, we can debate over should it be strong mayor, strong council, etc. But ultimately, shouldn't our, our city hall, our local representatives have the ability to make decisions about what we expect of them. And then if they don't do a good job, we hold them to account. Right now, we expect that they have uh, decision-making powers over their elections. No, at the end of the day, the province gets to decide. Revenue, them, land use, them. I think we need a better governance structure. Okay. That's all the time we have. Councillor Josh Matlow from St. Paul's and Chair of Toronto's Seniors Strategy. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Libby from St. Paul's. Okay. And uh, <laughs> we'll have to have you back sometime. My pleasure. I'd love to. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.